Are you an ambitious, driven entrepreneur starting to feel overwhelmed, maybe a little trapped by your business? Well, I have a solution for you. It is the five-day bottleneck to breakthrough challenge, where in an hour a day, we will give you the roadmap, the blueprint, the treasure map to where you can find yourself with more free time, more freedom of money, and a more valuable business. Hope to see you soon www.bottlenecktobreakthrough.com. In this episode, I interview Kristen De Palma, and we're going to talk about things marketing and get really specific. For example, about your font you choose to work with and your brand. Now, Kristen and I cover a lot of ground in this fascinating interview and how to plan how to use planning to escape hustle and grind how she prepped into leaning full-time into her side hustle and also what is a purple brain and how can you use it enjoy this episode this is the real bottom line where we tell entrepreneurial stories about true grit and perseverance from frontline business owners themselves now let's get started Hello and welcome to The Real Bottom Line. My guest today is Kristen Del Palma, and she is the owner and chief artist, I would say, behind KDP Letters. Welcome, Kristen. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. My first I'm very podcast. excited too. Uh, we'll dig into this, but we are both purple-brained. And if you want to find out what that is, you got to stay tuned a little longer. But you just started your business full-time a couple of years ago. How did, did that happen? Like what, what was the trigger that made you say, I got to do, I got to be on my own. Mm-hmm. So I, I would say I've always been an entrepreneur. So back to when I was like 11 years old, thinking I could start my own like sidewalk shoveling business until we had like a big ice storm in Nova Scotia. And I was like, this is hard work. <laughs> I'm and I'm 11. For a yeah. week or two. Business is done. Um, And so it kind of started there in my whole life. I've always had some sort of like side hustle. And through university, that's when I got started uh, doing freelance graphic design. And that really opened my eyes to like how much I really love being creative um, and helping people find creativity when they're trying to share a message. So I've always thought of these entrepreneurial efforts as side hustles, never saw it as a full-time career path until COVID kind of changed everything for me. That was really- This is a COVID baby. Kind of a COVID baby. Yeah. Like I've totally had thoughts over my corporate career. I've I've worked in um, as a corporate marketer up until November, 2021. So once I graduated from university, I went right into becoming a marketing coordinator um, kind of worked my way up the ranks and then led a marketing team for a crown corp in Nova Scotia. Um, and as I moved up, I got further away from actually mm-hmm. doing the work that I loved. Mm-hmm. So getting more wrapped up into like the politics and personalities of who you're working with and managing people versus actually getting to be creative and, and doing the right. work. So hand lettering is something I'd started back in 2015 as just purely a side hobby. Didn't even really see it as a side hustle more as just like, I love doing it. I felt really passionate about it. It was kind of my escape from the corporate stress. Mm -hmm. Um, And over time, as I kept sharing my work, I just kept getting more and more people asking for like personal commissions, which then grew into business commissions of people wanting chalkboard menus or projects to, to help support their business. 
And that just kept kind of growing and growing. And then during COVID, I started to see like, you know, it gave everyone just a lot of space and time to kind of think about what's important. So I started thinking like, maybe I could make this work as a full-time career. And when I got the email from my company, like two months into COVID being like, all right, everyone back to the office. I just was filled with so much dread at the Mm. thought of going back to a nine to five beige walls the same old problems and conversations. Um, And I just started thinking about how that could maybe look different. Um, So I started kind of saving everything I was making from my lettering business on the side. I ran the numbers. I got excited to create my little budget spreadsheet to be like, what do I really need like to live on? Like, how can I make it work year one? What's the bare minimum that I need to to earn? And yeah, ever since, um, I mean, I haven't looked back. I've exceeded my corporate salary working for myself. Uh, which has been amazing because there was a lot of fear initially. It was like, well, I can't leave a job with a pension and benefits. Like that's not something you do at my age, but yeah, it was so worth it. I feel much more comfortably financially than when I was relying on a paycheck every two weeks and yeah, haven't looked back at all. What were some of the actions you took to help you, you overcome that? I'm not going to call it a confidence, but it's more of um, ready to lean in to the uncertainty, right? Because corporate work, certain. I know Mm -hmm. what my paycheck's going to be. It's going to land in my mail, in my uh, checking account every two weeks, right? I I get rewarded for my time and my effort. And now Mm -hmm. you've transitioned into the entrepreneurial space and you are being Mm -hmm. rewarded for results. Mm -hmm. How How did you shift your mindset on that? So a big thing for me was that because I had started in 2015, I, I had like, about seven years behind me of knowing people loved my work, that there would be clients coming back time and time again, mm-hmm. and that I had only scratched the surface of what was possible. So I kind of just thought logically, like if I leaned into this and really like went after clients and made myself available in full-time hours versus just like evenings and weekends, yeah. like what could I achieve? So I started just seeing the potential of like, I haven't even tried and I'm making a decent size hustle living on this business. So it just felt really possible that if I put a hundred percent of my energy into it, it would only increase in value. So um, I also was able to overcome that by doing that little budgeting spreadsheet of just being able to see the numbers and like, see it laid out Mm -hmm. and actually quantify it. So I could say like, okay, well, if, my first year of business, I just do two murals, four book covers, a few workshops. Like I could kind yeah. of outline what projects I would need to get me to that annual salary that felt comfortable. And then I could see it and it felt really achievable. It wasn't like this unknown, like yeah. where's the work going to come from kind of thing. That's so fascinating. That's the kind of work I do in my uh, total wealth blueprint is breaking it oh, down. Cool. And breaking mm-hmm. it because we, you know, figuring out what you need to live personally and, and that it, it is coming so that you have a good life today, but you're also planning and being ready for tomorrow. Totally. But what does that mean from a business perspective? And I lo- and that's what I'd like to try and do is figure out you need to sell X number of this mm-hmm. every week, every month, whatever. And then, mm-hmm. like you said, it takes that scaredness of a really big number down into Mm -hmm. something that's chunked down and you go I just need to sell one of these I gotta get going exactly yeah it feels so much more achievable when it's outlined in detail like that yeah 
did it help? I my philosophy is too is that it also helps uh, eliminate some of the over hustle and grind because mm. you actually mm-hmm. know when enough is enough. Totally. Tell me about that for you. So that's I would say that's my biggest challenge professionally. Whether I worked in the corporate world or worked for myself, I totally have a tendency to overwork myself. <laughs> so I it's hard because I love working. Like I would work 24 seven if I didn't physically burn out from doing mm-hmm. so. Mm-hmm. Um, so I totally have that tendency. Um, and especially year one of working for myself full time, because it's my first year in business, I felt like I didn't want to say no to anything because I'm like, well, who knows when like the next contract will come. Yeah. Um, now, after having such a successful year, I feel like I'm able to pace myself a little bit better now in year two of my business full time. So I can start saying no to some of those side projects that really aren't adding to the overall picture of my business. So like I did a little pie chart for myself at the end of my business, at the end of my business year to show like, for instance, selling prints of my work were like 0.08% of my overall business for the year. So it's like, is that where I want to invest my energy or do I focus up on the bigger payout projects that add to my portfolio that move my business forward and just kind of trimming the fat. So this year or this past year, my first year in business was a lot of like, I still was saying yes to every personal commission that came my way. I was quoting on all these projects where I wasn't quite sure if the person was actually serious about wanting a mural or not. I was taking on way too much essentially. So there were a few periods during 2021 or 2022, God, what year is it? 2022. (laughs) So during 2022, where I was just like, oh my God, like, I don't know how it's going to all get done. There's way too much on my plate, which can be good for me. I tend to work best when I'm feeling challenged and when there's tight deadlines versus like having three projects a year. I don't think I would start those three projects until like December 29th of that year. And they would be phenomenal. However, they'd be great. But yeah, it like I need it's striking that perfect balance of like, having enough that I feel challenged and excited about the work I'm doing, but not having so much that I'm like burning out because that's not good for anyone. Um, So that's an ongoing challenge. I have not mastered how to get that perfect balance of work, but I'm getting there. I, uh, I, I feel like you're doing a lot of the work that I love to see people doing. Cause one of the things I like to do with people too, is looking at all their product offerings. So you looked at what percentage of my business is this, and is it worth it Mm -hmm. to invest in it? One of the things I like to look at too, is um, I like to analyze all the offerings based on three things at a minimum. One Mm. is contribution. How much is this bringing in from a profit perspective or helping me with my costs, Mm. et cetera capacity, which one, uh, how many of these can I do? Mm. And does that give me enough? If mm-hmm. not, uh, maybe I have to change my price, you know, what yes. I mean? that whole piece. And then I also like to add in joy. Mm. Uh, I think that's an overlooked analysis piece, but if the things that you end up figuring out, give the most capacity, give you capacity and contribution and you hate them, what is the point? Totally. You nailed it. That's exactly how I think about my business. And you probably have like a more organized model way of looking at it. But for me, throughout the past year, it was like this internal checklist Mm. of any project that comes in, I try and sort of put it through this checklist for myself, which is like, one, is this work that moves my business goals forward? Like, do I want to be getting more work like this? 
Is it something I want to share in my portfolio post on Instagram? Or is it one of those like, eh, just do it for the paycheck. So like there's limited joy. Um, so yeah, like does this project get me really excited? Like, yeah. am I already brainstorming how it could look? And that's like a really good green flag for me. Like if I'm already getting excited about it and then, um, yeah, like budget and timeline, like, can I take this on in my capacity? And then also is like the timeline of the project reasonable. Um, and is the money there to cover all of these things? So I kind of have this checklist that I go through and if the answer to a lot of those is no, it's like, why would I take this on? I feel at a point in my business where I can comfortably say no to something, but I always like to, of course, like refer a client elsewhere mm-hmm. I never like to just be like, best of luck. Like, bye. I can't do it. (laughs) I like to, yeah. Like where I can, I love to refer clients to other artists that might be a better fit for that project. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. The interesting thing I I referenced purple brain at the front Mm -hmm. of the show. And, um, and it's, uh, my theory that our brain is in both sides. We've heard there's a logical side and there's a creative side. So Mm -hmm. I assigned them the red and blue colors so that, uh, I feel like together, they're a purple brain. Uh, and I feel like when you have that balance of creativity and innovation coupled with the numbers, you've got a purple mm-hmm. brain. And I feel like you have a purple brain. Totally. Yeah. I would absolutely agree with that because I definitely like, yeah, I don't think it's as clear cut as like, you're either like the programmer mathematician brain, or you're like the creative artist that like sucks at deadlines. I do feel like a blend of those two. So I love organizing and I love strategy And that comes from like my marketing background and having built my way up, starting as a marketing coordinator where you're doing like budgets and timelines and plans. And then I also, of course, have the creative brain. Like I love drawing and actually designing. So yeah, I love the idea of a purple brain where it's like this perfect blend of like the bigger picture thinking, but you can also execute on those bigger ideas so you can make them come to life. And I feel like that's such a good brain to have as an entrepreneur. Like it really, I, I feel like I can go back and forth. So for Mm -hmm. instance, when I'm in my creative brain, like I'm writing or I'm coming up with Mm -hmm. ideas, I need silence. And when I'm doing my math and logical side, I can have heavy metal rock going full (laughs) blast. Oh my gosh, I could not do that. I would be so stressed. But I feel you like there's different, yeah, you need different settings. Like that's how I feel about like drawing. I cannot wake up in the morning and start drawing. I just, I can't. I need to sit down in the mornings that's when I have my coffee. I'm in my budgeting spreadsheet and I'm like in heaven, just like organizing, color coding, planning, doing like reach out documents. And then later in the day, that's when I can comfortably step into creative mode where I'm like chilling on the couch with my iPad. And that's when I can like really start getting into feeling inspired to draw. That's amazing. So what we've agreed is we have purple, but that we respect the boundaries and what, when each comes into play and we can totally. take advantage of it. A hundred percent. Yeah, exactly. And for me, it's like, yeah, I'm sure you struggle with that too, but it's like finding that balance because sometimes Mm -hmm. I can let that detailed side of my brain take over. And then I'm like, oh, like I have a lot of drawing to do. Like I have to get out of the admin side and like step into feeling more creative. And it's, it's not always easy to like turn that switch. So like, what are those things you can do to like bridge that? And for me, it's like taking a walk, listening to a podcast, getting a little bit inspired and then getting excited to come home and start drawing. That's awesome. Um, We talked earlier in the green room also about math and gasp. You told me you didn't think you were good at it. 
Um, mm-hmm. Yet here you are budgeting and organizing and costing out jobs and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me about your journey with math, because it feels like also as creatives, when people display that side in particular, that there's this hate-hate relationship with the number side mm-hmm. and the logical totally. side of things. So, yeah. 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 How did you, how did you, what tell us about your journey with that? <laughs> so I'm, I'm still very much on the math journey. So my, my memories of math are like crying head down next to like a math textbook because it's so frustrating to me. And I just feel dumb whenever I try and approach math. So that's kind of my experience all throughout school, like hated math, did horribly in math and always questioned, like, I'll never need it because I'll be working in like marketing or a creative space where like, I won't need math. So like, what's the point? But over my career, definitely have had to go back to math and try and understand it because I'm, you know, covering budgets of millions of dollars or now owning my own business, having to look at like, how the heck do I file taxes and track my expenses and like, make sure I'm not overspending and doing project budgets. Um, And then specifically murals being relatively new to my business in the past couple of years like figuring out how to get something that's this big and scaling it up to a massive building. That's a lot of math. So um, I've had to kind of look it in the eye a little bit, especially over the past year and a half. Um, And it's scary. Like I'm still very much intimidated by math. I don't, I don't get excited to do math, but I've realized like, I don't think that anyone's necessarily like bad at math. It's just that thing where you need exposure to it. You need to practice it. And then it'll start to get easier and start to get better. So I've definitely seen the other side of math where I'm now like, okay, like it's just you and me, like I'm going to embrace it. It's ultimately going to help my business in a lot of ways. So yeah, I had those moments where I'm like, oh, in high school, I only paid more attention. Like maybe I would have, right. um, I had this come a little bit easier to me. Your business is making a profit. You're growing, but you may still feel like you don't fully have a grasp on how to make the best use of this success? Don't worry, you're not alone. Hi, I'm Wendy Brookhouse, creator of the Total Wealth Accelerator and host of this podcast. I've developed a quick and easy tool that will give you a detailed snapshot of where you're currently at in your business and wealth growth and how you can improve upon it. It's called your financial diagnostic score. It's completely free and you'll instantly get the results. So head over to TotalWealthScore.com right now and see where you can focus to grow your wealth. So you may not be in love with math yet, but you've come Mm -hmm. to appreciate and respect it. Totally. Yes. We're like acquaintances now. Yeah. If you were to say, what were the one or two things you've done the most that have helped you shift that relationship? Because you are not alone with people who grew up in the school system. And for whatever reason, it's a very uh, bad triggering event that happened when they were in the math classes. And so how have you overcome that? Because it's a lot like money mindset. It's a shift of something to change Mm -hmm. how you feel about something um, that's been running that way for a long time. Absolutely. I, I think a big thing is, has been just like not being scared of it and just looking it in the eye and trying it. So for me, like I never, I don't recall taking any course that was like how to make a budget or like how to, you know, make sure you're not overspending. So for me, it just started like experimenting in Excel and being like, how can I use these formulas to help me so that I'm not like counting in my head and getting Mm -hmm. overwhelmed and frustrated with what I hate about math. So yeah, it's using the tools that are available to you, like 
looking at different templates and using the Excel formulas and just not being scared to like play around and try and figure it out. And it's easy to identify as you're building those things, like when it looks wrong, because you can clearly see it before you, like where have you miscalculated, um, such as problem solving on the fly. And then another thing I've done has been hiring an accountant. So like realizing where my strong suits don't lie, like while I am very organized and good at certain things, I definitely would be very overwhelmed when it comes to like filing for tax season, doing that on my own without the help of a professional accountant. So I take um, a lot of comfort in knowing that there's a professional helping me when it comes to those important things like filing taxes. So, so I'd say those two have been really important, like looking at it in the eye and then also like leveraging help where I need it. I also think what you've done too, is you've um, released the perfection valve. Mm, yes. Right. You've, you've said, I'm just going to try this. I'm going to see how it works. And that's yeah. a great perspective so that you're not expecting to get all the answers right, but you're totally. but also just starting to look at it with a critical eye. Does this look mm-hmm. right? Something yeah, 100%. Thought, right? Yeah. And I mean, it's comforting to talking to other business owners, mm. because like, I don't feel like I'm alone at all. Like every business owner I know is like, Oh, like tax season, like, what do you do with this? And like, how do you claim this? And like, there's business owners I know that don't have a budget. And that like fills me with anxiety. So I'm like, how are you doing it? But then there's business owners like me that have kind of figured it out along the way. So talking to other people also helps because it's a little bit comforting to know, like, not everyone's an expert in this. We're all just kind of figuring it out. Yeah. So you didn't let it continue to intimidate you. you you've t- turned mm-hmm. it into a tool, which I love. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I'd like to turn to the other side of our brain now, if we could, Kristen, yeah. talk about the creative. Um, mm-hmm. I, love, I love the idea of creative lettering. And I thought we could start um, on the marketing nerd side and talk about fonts, because to me, mm-hmm. the lettering is a, a font that you've created for someone in particular for a particular project. But fonts say a lot about people. Mm-hmm. And what does like tell me what your philosophy is on fonts and how do I choose the right one for my business? Mm, that's so interesting. Yeah. So I like where fonts are like fonts absolutely play a role in some of the work that I do, but my business is all kind of creating custom fonts, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the benefit there is that like where a font allows another business to use the exact same font in their marketing through custom lettering, it's creating something like one of a kind and truly unique that reflects your business. And so for me, I'm always so excited to explore different um, styles of lettering. I pull a ton of inspiration from vintage lettering so love visiting antique stores and seeing the way that like they used to draw everything by hand like before there were fonts there was hand lettering um and it's so inspiring just to see all the different ways that you can write the letter r so when i'm working with customers and clients that want to bring a certain message to life through lettering the different styles that you use say so much about delivering that message So one of my favorite styles to use is like a beautiful sort of script decorative lettering. And Mm -hmm. that just helps really like soften any message. And when I want to draw certain attention to certain words over others, that's where I'll pull in styles like in all capital letters, like big, bold style. Um, So depending on what the message is, using those and combining those different styles to tell the story um, is so impactful. 
I always think of like, what are those letters in a message that are like link words, like the, or from, or to, and if, like those words that would never be the centerpiece of a design, but that still can play a decorative role in the overall layout. So I play around with those and, and make them sort of fit into the design, but making sure that those focus letters are done in a style that really matches the message. So if the tone is really serious, maybe like a serif font or lettering style. Mm -hmm. Um, And if it's more playful, maybe like a bouncy sort of script lettering. So the way that it's depicted definitely impacts how people interpret and read the message. So you mentioned like, and we've all seen so many fabulous chalkboard menus Mm. and things like that. What are some other applications you've seen in a business context where I could be using a creative lettering to create, to deliver a message. So one of my favorite mediums for that would really be a mural. So murals, I mean, they've been around for a ton of time, um, but recently they've really grown in popularity when it comes to businesses wanting that, like, I can't say it without air quotes, but like the Instagrammable moment. Um, which is all about, you know, people want to visit your business when there's an opportunity to like pose in front of your wall or have a cool background shot for whatever they're doing. Um, and that can be really meaningfully tied to like your brand strategy and your values Mm -hmm. to help reflect that in the mural, but it just creates so much interest and really adds to the environment. So thinking of a place like a coffee shop or a restaurant or a brewery or a distillery, to have a special mural piece that's like a one of a kind hand painted installation in your space just makes such a difference and really separates you from competitors because it's the only one that exists of its kind and people are really drawn and they can feel that organic nature of a hand painted mural versus like a printed advertisement or a billboard mm. like people are smart and they know when they're being advertised to versus something that's created by an artist that doesn't have the intention of wanting to sell them anything. They just want to create something beautiful that makes them feel good. So it's one of those things where it it might be, it's hard to measure the ROI on something where like the benefit is really like people feeling good and feeling something. That's the hard part about my work when it comes to murals. Like there's certain work that I do where you can totally measure like the sales of a book or like the increase in sales of a, a new logo But when it comes to a mural, it's not quite so concrete. It's really, it's about how people feel. Um, And I think that comes through in, you know, how many people are sharing it on their social media and talking about it and visiting your space. But yeah, it's a little softer than some of the other ROI measures, but it's one of the most important ones because it is how people feel. So interesting. It it strikes me as in this world where a lot of people talk about experiences that using a mural in a creative way can actually help curate an experience mm-hmm. of a client or whatever with your brand um, mm-hmm. that might be different in elevation and it elevates you against the others. Absolutely. Yeah. Like it's something totally unique. It says so much about your business and it's, yeah, it's, it's just different um, compared to, you know, hanging art on your walls or like it shows that you've really invested in your space Um, and not only do you get like the art piece that stands the test of time and will be there forever but you also get that experience of like the actual installation period the amount of times when I'm actually like physically there painting on a wall and people come up to talk about it and tell you how much it means to them and how exciting it is to see it going up like people really love seeing people create things with their hands 
Um, So even that experience of, you know, having artists in your space and putting a mural up is, uh, is all part of it all part of the engagement which is so mm-hmm. interesting you mentioned book covers you mentioned what else did you mention um cards um mm-hmm. are, those are some other ways that people might be able to use creative lettering to really make an impact yeah totally and like a big one would be um like logos and branding so yeah. um when using something like a font or a downloadable free art that's great if you're on a budget but that also means that any of your competitors could download that same font that same vector and create the exact same logo um when you work with a a lettering artist i'm creating a totally custom wordmark and logo for your business that can't be replicated so that's really the benefit it's not just a font that literally anyone can go download it's one of a kind created just for you So that's where it can come in handy with branding and logo projects where you really want to set yourself apart from competitors, um, working with a lettering artist to create something custom. And if there is a font that you love, there are also ways to work with a lettering artist to customize that font. So you'll see a lot of brands do that. Just take it to the next level. Exactly. So you might be like, I love like Cooper (laughs) that we were talking about earlier. Or like, I love Comic Sans, which would be horrible. But if you loved it, we could start there and then um, add decorative features to the font to customize it and make it more one of a kind to you. Oh, amazing. I'd like to shift gears again a little bit and talk about the fact that you and your husband both have businesses. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I recently got to speak with your husband and we, we talked about how you add value to his business from the admin side. So taking, again, the logical side of your brain over to him because it seems like he's very artistic as well. So you're lending that. What does he lend to you? Mm -hmm. So for us, like we bounce everything off of each other. So we're basically, although we run our two separate businesses, we're kind of like an in-house agency in a sense. So it's really rare that I'm sending off any document or any artwork without showing it to him first and vice versa. So coming from the corporate world, I really thrive on getting feedback on my work. So working for myself, I mean, I get feedback from clients, but I always like to show um, behind the scenes work to like my colleagues. And now Justin's my colleague. So I love uh, walking him through what I'm working on and The benefit of being married and having such strong communication is that we really respect each other. So I know that any feedback he's giving me is ultimately with good intentions. Like we're just trying to make each other's businesses better um, and we can be pretty direct with each other. So because we're married, we also know when the other person's completely bullshitting each other. So (laughs) that really helps. Like we can be totally honest. It's not like working in an office where someone might show me their work and I might be like, looks great, but then secretly be like, oh my God, like what a nightmare. That will never happen with Justin and I will always be totally honest because we're not worried about hurting each other's feelings because we know it's ultimately about making the work better. So it's the same value sharing that makes it possible. Yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, Justin, I always call him like my hype man because he's really where I'm like, a little bit more even keel. Justin is very, like, he has a more intense personality and gets really excited about things. Um, So he is really like anyone's hype man, like he can get excited about anything. And that's really helpful to me when I'm working on something that I'm like, not quite sure if if I get the reaction from him where he's really excited about it, that gets me excited. Um, And his experience as an artist has been really helpful. Because when I was starting hand lettering, 
I'd be like, oh my God, like I suck. I hate this. And then he'd come in and be like, what? This is amazing. Like, keep going. This is incredible. Like he could see the potential where I couldn't. And yes. that helped me stick with hand lettering and bring it to a place where I did feel more excited about it. I often say sometimes like uh, that for me, when I'm working with clients, I can actually take them out to look at the forest. Mm, right. So love we'll that. Them up. Yeah. So we can get elevated love the forest as opposed to the tree that you're hugging. That's so important. Yeah. I love that analogy because yeah, as a business owner, it's so easy to be like in your little bubble in your vacuum. So showing your work to others and having that objective input is so important. Mm. Anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up, Kristen? I know your oh website God. is kdpletters.com so people can go check out your work. Yeah. Yep. And I share um, all my latest work on Instagram. So that's where you'll find me um, sharing personal projects as well as client projects. But yeah, no, I think, I mean, we covered so many great topics today. Um, I guess if I could leave any sort of like little piece of advice for any aspiring entrepreneurs, one thing that I've come to learn, especially in working with Justin and knowing like where his strengths lie and my strengths lie, I would say that um, the most important thing when owning your own business is to have a plan. And that doesn't need to be a fancy plan because Justin would get caught up and like, oh my God, but I've never worked in corporate. Like, I don't know how to do like a 10 page business plan. And it's like, it doesn't need to be following any sort of template. If it's just written on a post-it note or a napkin, like just some sort of guiding post to keep you on track, that's crucial because as creative people, both Justin and I were always scheming on some sort of idea. Like we've got like 25 different businesses we've invented that are just like on the back burner. If we focused on anyone, I'm sure it'd be great, but we are just like so like shiny object. So it's crucial to like pull back that focus and having any sort of plan, whether it's a post-it or a 10 page plan, it doesn't matter, but something to follow for your business is just so important to keep you on track. Thank you so much for your time today, Kristen. I think the real bottom line here is to lean in to what you don't know and conquer that chaos of it. Love conquer the chaos. I love that. That's what I'm lettering next. I love that. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank Uh, you. Wow. There was just so much learning in this episode. Do you want more? I have a special offer for the right entrepreneur, a complimentary one-on-one coaching session that is all about you, your business, and your goals so that you can accelerate your business and start to accelerate the growth of your network. Head over to wealthcoachwithwendy.com. There you will find a letter that kind of outlines all the details of this offer and also an application form. We have an application form because there's such a limited number of of slots that we're opening up for this that we want to make sure that the people that um, uh, do are successful in getting the slot, we can make the biggest difference with. So head over to wealthcoachingwithwendy.com and apply today. Thanks.